Good evening and welcome once again to the Lotus Flower Podcast. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. Pamela Robinson, and I bring you greetings on behalf of my co-host, Reverend Curtis L. Robinson, Sr. We here at the Lotus Flower Podcast aim is to educate, empower, and equip our listening audience with culturally relevant, spiritually uplifting educational topics. Our diverse discussions are centered around a variety of topics, such as Christian marriage, self-empowerment, mental health wellness, social justice, and faith. The podcast allows for an array of different voices to be exposed to the venue of podcasting and learn about the content that they may never otherwise have been exposed to. The podcast audience demographic is made up of affluent, educated millennials, ages 25 and up. However, our targeted audience is African-Americans, Hispanics, and people of color, as well as low to moderate income populations, single parenting households, and disenfranchised people. All adults are welcome to partake in the podcast. It doesn't matter the person's socioeconomic status, their race, their creed, nor their educational background, religious affiliation, or lack thereof, as long as you have an interest and a respect for learning about African-American culture, race, history, relationships, religion, and other pertinent topics, then all are welcome. Welcome once again to the Lotus Flower Podcast. We are airing live here tonight on our YouTube channel at Emerging Hope Ministries. We're also airing on Spotify, RSS feed, Wix.com, Reason FM, Amazon Music Podcast, and Google Podcasts. Please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Lotus Flower Podcast. Once again, welcome. Tonight, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Pastor Neesley Garrier. Pastor Neesley Garrier was born in Cap Haitian, Haiti. There, her grandmother introduced her to the Seventh-day Adventist faith while she was in her preteen. Soon after she immigrated to Brooklyn, New York, where she matured and was baptized and heavily focused on church ministry. After high school, she attended the Bernard College in New York City, where she received her BA in Human Resource and Business Administration and minored in African-American Studies and Civil Rights Law Litigation. While in college, she pled Sigma Alpha and was with the sorority for a mighty long time. While with the sorority, she was introduced to community service. She served at the Eastside Armory with the homeless population for a number of years as a volunteer with their fellow Soros. This awakened her passion for community service. After working in the corporate sector as an HR director for a number of years, 
she then pursued higher education and graduated from Fuller Seminary with an MDiv and a master's in pastoral care recovery. She trained as a chaplain at the St. Joseph Medical Center in Burbank, California. As an external small group pastor with the Mount Robodo Seventh-day Adventist Church, she then transitioned to work at the Los Angeles Mission as a lead chaplain with women in recovery from homelessness, drug, and alcohol addiction, as well as sexual trauma, human trafficking, domestic violence, and partner violence, as well as spiritual abuse. Pastor Nicely obtained her MDiv from the Fuller Theological Seminary. And when she obtained that MDiv, her desire was to continue working in and with the population of homelessness, trauma, addiction, grief, and loss. She currently is serving as the family life director at her church, Mount Rubadu Seventh-day Adventist Church in California. Her ministry emphasizes pastoral care, discipleship, life management, and restoration. Her focus is on restoring people in their relationship with God, people battling addiction, social and economic challenges, and health injustices. Pastor Nicely's passion is to create a nonprofit organization to support aged out youth from the foster care system. She has began work in this area with the hopes to be able to open the foster care home in the coming years. Once again, we are welcoming to the Lotus Flower Podcast, Season 2, Episode 23, Pastor Neesley Gary A. Gary A. once again is our special guest tonight 
on the Lotus Flower Podcast, Season 2, Episode Number 23. And we are so blessed to have her with us today. Pastor Nicely, would you greet our guest at this time and welcome? Yes, thank you so much. Welcome. It's good to be here. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you find yourself in the world, whenever you'll be watching this, I am glad to be able to be here with you today. Thank you so much once again. And today our episode title is going to be Do It Afraid. Do It Afraid. That title was chosen by Pastor Neasley. And I want to ask you to start with explaining to our audience tonight why you chose that particular topic. Chose that topic because I realized that everything and anything that is actually really, really important to me, anything that's really worth doing, anything that's worth um, uh, seeking and going after, has always been like a little scary. And I recognize that there is, it's a healthy fear. It's a very mm-hmm. healthy fear because um, when when I'm engaging or when I'm starting out on these really, you know, God moving moments, I ought to be very afraid. Also understand that it is not me. I'm really just standing up and God is going to be doing this through me and with me. And so that's why I say do it afraid because most of it, it's pretty scary. It's a very scary world out there. I'm not filled with fear mm-hmm. by any means, but it is just understanding that anything really that I'm about to do, there is this level of, oh my goodness, what am I doing and what am I heading into? Mm-hmm. Um, that's always there in the back. So would you say it's more uh, more of a, you know how the Bible tells us the fear, have a fear of the Lord and mean that's a reverence. So would you say it's more that fear? It's more, more a, that. It's more, more that than the fear of, oh, I don't want to do this. It's more like the, the unknown, of course, but it is also mm-hmm. the absolute understanding and knowing that I am unworthy that I am unable, that I, it's not me who's doing it. It also understanding that when I'm stepping into these spaces, recognizing that I must be open to the Holy Spirit so that the work through me, one who's really doing anything. So that sort yes. of, uh, uh, that idea of that fear, it really keeps me on my knees, mm-hmm. you know, to, to stay and humble. Yes, that makes perfect sense. And um, also, as I read over your bio, I have learned that you were born in Cap Haitian Haiti. Uh, Some time ago, it's roughly six years ago, my husband and I went over to um, to that same area, and we did some mission work through a church that we were attending at that time and such a beautiful area beautiful people was so hospitable and whatnot so i want to tell you that i actually have uh, some friends and connections in 
the Cap Haitian Haiti area. And also my husband and I were able to preach two separate sermons in oh, wow. a church here, and we were we, with an interpreter. And so it was over, it was a huge church and we had an interpreter. It was a great experience. So That's would you great. tell me a little bit? Thank you. Can you tell me a little bit about your upbringing as a child in uh, Cap Haitian Haiti? How was it? Uh, I mean, as a child in Cap Haitian Haiti, uh, I can honestly say it was a blissful life. Um, I grew up with my grandmother. Um, well, I grew up with my, my grandmother, of course, being the first girl, totally spoiled. Um, everything okay. I want. <laughs> uh, an absolute brat. <laughs> my both my parents, my mother and father. My father was very, um, very busy with the work that the line of work that he does. My mother, um, of course, he didn't like her to work, so she didn't. It was great. Um, the The only thing was I was really young, and so while I was in Haiti, I really didn't have to explore as much as I would have liked to. Mm -hmm. um, because my government, I really wasn't allowed to on my own. But I, it was a great life. I, I never understood, you know, I came to the America. My life was mm -hmm. fabulous in Haiti. <laughs> I, I would now, not have minded staying there. Now, now tell us, uh, when you say that your father worked in government, and so that means that you weren't allowed to kind of roam off on your own and whatnot. Can you expound and let us know why was that? You know what? I don't know why. I do know that he said that he just really felt that. It, I, I think when you have um, people working in government in places where uh, it's a small place and they're known, it's mm -hmm. kind of a safety thing. Uh, that Why? You know, anyone who's working in certain jobs would have bodyguards or things like that. My father was mm -hmm. also overly cautious. Okay. So was my grandmother. And uh, and so they never really answered me as to why they felt that this was the best way of uh, okay. approaching it. But that's the way they did it. And parents go, they don't tend to answer us very much. Okay. It always... When we ask a question, the answer is, I did what I did, so deal with it. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly same thing here. They would say children are to be seen and not heard. Not heard, exactly. And to all, same thing. And so I was I was thinking that it was uh, also related to, you know, how it is in the United States that we have the president and he has all the secret servant agents and his children have secret servant agents. I was just it's reading. Kind of like the same thing. Yes, it's same that's mm -hmm. and all. So your grandmother um, introduced you to the Seventh Day Adventist faith while you were in your preteens. Now, mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about about that, and did, did were you open to to that, or did you love? So I was uh, I was Catholic. Okay. I was attending. Um, I think it's Xavier. I don't remember the name of it, but I was attending a Catholic school. Both my parents were Catholic. My mother and father. Were. My grandmother was Seventh-day Adventist. And at some point, since my father was abroad, mm -hmm. I lived with my grandmother. And um, 
one day she had, uh, I guess a group of the youth came to her house. They were planning a youth day, a big youth weekend event or whatever they were planning, okay. but it was at her house. And, mm -hmm. and I was there in the back. Of course, it was a, a lot of young people. So that caught my attention. Uh, there mm -hmm. was a lot of excitement that caught my attention. Okay. And right mm -hmm. around that time, I was about eight or nine. And okay. I started having challenges with the Catholic Church, challenges mm -hmm. with certain things. I was having challenges with the mm -hmm. saints, the whole saint system, uh, the whole praying mm -hmm. to saints. Um, I was very challenged. I was challenged mm -hmm. by having the priest, um, your confession. So mm -hmm. at a very early age, I was asking questions. And of course, there was no one to answer me. My grandmother would mm -hmm. not uh, engage because she did mm -hmm. not want, she did not want it to be said that she, she encouraged me in any way. And mm -hmm. so after the, the youth left, I said to her, I said, hey, Nana, I mean, Graham, can I? I go to church with you that day, the planning. She was like, sure. And so I mm -hmm. did. I went I had an amazing time. I mean, it was oh, fun, good. it was fellowship. <laughs> it was just awesome. And then after that, mm -hmm. I came back home. Never thought, really thought about it again. But mm -hmm. at some point, um, they sent me a thank you, sort of uh, to say mm -hmm. thank you for coming. Mm -hmm. And something about that, um, that was it for me. It was oh just that, yeah, it was that that felt like a family going, coming from going to church where you go, you wrote, you recite, you recite, you recite, you recite, and then you go home. There's no real fellowship. There's no coming together. You know, at the time, um, I'm going to age mm -hmm. myself, but at the time, service was still in Latin, right? Even oh, though I, okay. uh, because, you know, when you go to school, you actually have to learn the participate in service, but... Mm -hmm. There was no fault. And uh, after that, it was it for me. I told my, you know, I told my grandmother, I said, listen, uh, from now on, I want to go to church with you. To which she was like, no, no, no. I said, yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. I know what I okay. want. And this mm -hmm. is it. And she said, you know, your parents are going to be upset. And I said, let that's okay. on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. You sound like you are a strong-willed preteen. Pretty strong will. <laughs> pretty, pretty strong will. Yeah. And from there, how did your uh, discipleship grow in terms of you becoming a believer and actually a follower of Christ? So from there, I attended um, for about, I would say, another maybe two to three years. I attended church with my grandmother. And um, mm -hmm. the good thing was my father was out of the country. Okay. <laughs> so there was nothing. And then okay. when I, uh, <laughs> when I moved, uh, when I moved to Canada and then moved to New York, I, with my aunt and uncle and they mm -hmm. were seven Adventists. It was seven household. And I was very excited about that because from there mm -hmm. I attended church with her. I asked for Bible study and I received Bible study and I got baptized. Um, mm -hmm. I believe I was around 15 last. Uh, of course, my mm -hmm. father was not about to get baptized at 13 or 14. He stopped it. I see. I see. Uh, and when I turned 15, we have this 
uh, something that happens in the last weekend of June to the first weekend of July. Every conference in the Adventist church has what's called camp meeting. And yes. all the churches mm -hmm. in the area would attend the camp meetings. Mm -hmm. And so my, the church I was attending every year would have buses because it, it was far mm -hmm. in uh, Poughkeepsie. I think in Poughkeepsie, New York, in the woods of Poughkeepsie, New York. So every year they would have buses and everybody would, you know, go on, on this day trip. And so uh -huh. that year I saved my money. I didn't tell anybody mm -hmm. what I was doing. I bought my mm -hmm. ticket, got on the okay. bus, got mm -hmm. baptized, came back home with my baptismal certificate in my hand. Oh, my. Christian. I was like, yes, <laughs> I did it. Yes. Okay. And, and then my father found out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, well, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so his reaction was what? Not good. Not good. Okay. He hit the roof. I he hit see. the roof. He hit the roof. Mm -hmm. And that day, I, I know he would have hit me. I, I could tell he wanted to hit me. And so oh, what I said him was um, against his quote-unquote order. And I told yes. him, hit me if you want, but I have Jesus in me now, so when you hit mm -hmm. me, you hit Jesus. Oh, my. You said that to your dad? Oh, my. And then how did he react to that? Called me insolent, disobedient. <laughs> oh. And, and did that... And then how did that how did that affect you and your um, emotional emotionally if, if if anything? Not at all, not at all. I blocked it. I have the um, one of the great things I have to give. I truly have to give this to the Catholic Church um, is the level of discipline that you're taught um, that you have to practice with your emotions, with your mindset, mm -hmm. and your frame of mind. That has mm -hmm. really come in handy for me. And having been in that system for quite some time, uh, I was mm -hmm. in the Catholic Church for a very long time, as Catholic school for a very long time. As I really mm -hmm. utilized those tools to just really block his spirit, I recognized mm -hmm. him for what it was. I understood that um, there was this one particular text I understood that it says, Think, uh, beloved, think it not strange, these fiery trials that will be against you, right? And so I understood that my serving God meant it was like inherently because I chose to serve God and because I chose, I was going to suffer. Like it was a definite. And because and, I understood that, I stopped. And you, un you understood that even though it sounds like you were a preteen, maybe to a teenager at that time, were you? Yeah. And you had yeah. that level of you had the level of maturity to the you degree know, that you were able to I, articulate that. I want to say I've been over the last couple of years, I've really been asking myself these questions. How mm -hmm. where did that understanding come from? Like, how yes. did I have that? And I had truly yes. have to say that was the Holy Spirit um, working I through see. me, because mm -hmm. even from the age of eight questioning, mm -hmm. Um, the whole saint system and I questioning see. the, um, the, the, what do you call that? Uh, uh, when, you know, um, confessor, confession, 
Yes. There, I had no, I cannot say that I had anything physical that led me to that space. It was all a spiritual journey that happened within me that I didn't really realize that's what it was. At the time, the way it was, this is whack. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's kind of like how I thought it was. And so it took me, it actually took, went until I started seminary to realize Mm -hmm. that it was a spiritual started back then. Yes, I understand. And the Lord had already planted that seed in you as a little girl, but it just needed to be nurtured and watered. You know how the Bible says that one man, planet right. and another man wandereth and the Lord gives the increase of uh, that seed. Exactly. Already planted there, yeah. possibly maybe from your grandmother. Maybe she did and you know intentionally sit you down and tell you things about another oh, denomination. Definitely. Maybe just by your being in her watching her, you know, and whatnot. It could absolutely have because we had worship yeah. We had worship service every morning, devotion every morning. Mm-hmm. And every evening before mm-hmm. bed, we had devotion. We had prayer, um, sing songs and reading scriptures, you know, sitting and getting, hearing stories about Jesus and, mm-hmm. and stories in the Bible. So I was going to Catholic school with way more information than everybody else around me. Because my grandmother, I of see. course, she was very mature in the mm-hmm. Lord. She was a minister in her own right. Not a preacher, but definitely into mm-hmm. ministry. Definitely doing a, a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. And so very knowledgeable. She comes from a family of preachers, uh, all oh, trained, educated preachers. And she was a highly educated woman. And so with all mm-hmm. of that, everything she was pouring in me, I learned how to have the ability for critical thinking very early on. Because I, I was see. with someone who expected it and who required it mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. household being responsible for your actions on, you know, asking questions when you don't understand like those things that some younger children didn't have the opportunity to do. I was I doing see. because of who she was and how she operated in the world. That's excellent. That was a blessing to, and a gift to you. Now, back then, were you able to see it as being a blessing and a, and a gift or something peculiar? Or- yeah, it was normal. Okay. Like mm-hmm. it was normal to me, and the way I looked at it was, that's how she loved me. I see. I to see. To me, that was love. That's good. Right. That yeah, was love. That's good. And the other children that you like, you said, if the other children around you at your school or whatnot, they weren't receiving that same type of love. You did recognize that too. It sounds like right. I did. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny. Um, because I always thought, I used to always think, well, I know I'm loved. I see. <laughs> and part <laughs> of it was a little arrogant. You know, part mm-hmm. of it was a little immaturity arrogance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, <laughs> because I was very spoiled. I see. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's still put together, child. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's being honest and transparent. And I, I appreciate that. And the Lord can work with a person that like that. 
And I would say that's why he was able to mold you like a clay in his hands and shape you the way you way that he wanted to because you were pliable. Um, you talked about coming to the United States, but at the same time, you said that you were you enjoyed home so much that moving to the United States, you often would wonder, well, why would I have left home when it, I had such a marvelous childhood and and I enjoyed, you know, living there in Cap Haitian Haiti. Tell me a little bit about why did you choose to move over to the United States and how was the transition for you? Choice. It was not my choice. Okay. Um, my father, my father ended in Haiti uh, for di for various reasons. Moved to Canada. Okay. I see. And um, at some point, my brother and I were told that we were going to go spend time with my father in Canada, and that is what we did. Mm -hmm. Now, when we got to Canada, I had it. It was freezing cold. Um, there was mm -hmm. some very, it was just not a very good situation at all. I see. Um, I didn't know then, but I then kind of figured out that my parents, my parents had divorced. I see. But that was never told to me. I figured it out when I got to Canada, when I mm -hmm. saw another family. I see. And I lived in Canada for about a year. I really disliked it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any friends. Mm -hmm. um, they were very racist, racist at the time. Mm -hmm. I had moved to Montreal. And um, my brother and I, we were, we were miserable. We missed our friends. We missed our grandmother. Uh, you know, we missed our home. We really were in the back in Haiti. Canada it was rough. It was not all the accoutrements we had come to be comfortable with in Canada. Mm -hmm. It was a very hard life. We, we were there for about a year mm -hmm. and then uh, I wrote to my grandmother and I told her um, just everything we were going through. It was just not nice. good. And so somehow I'm not sure what the backstory for that. My aunt and uncle um, stepped into the picture and my aunt and uncle were like, we want you, you know, my, to me and my brother to come and live with us. Like, mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> you know, okay. to with that. And so that's how we moved to New York. And then mm -hmm. I found out that my grandmother was actually sick. Okay. Is why. Um, but I found that out years later. You said uh, your who, who, who was sick? Who was sick? My grandmother was oh, sick. Okay. So she see. agreed to us leaving um, because you know she needed to get treatment. She was traveling wherever she was traveling for treatment. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I see. Now you found out that you figured it out that your dad and your mom, you know, biological dad and mom were divorced. And um how how did you come to figure that out? And and how did that affect affect you and your emo emotionally at all? If anything. It's another thing I'm confused about. <laughs> because I figured it out when I'm Canada. When I got to Canada and I saw someone else and they had just had a baby. So I assume, okay, they were, my parents weren't together anymore. Yes. It did not bother me. Mm -hmm. I cannot mm -hmm. explain why. I see. It just never bothered me. And when I moved to, I mean, I knew 
I, I my love my mother I then I know do my father because my father was always away he was always gone mm -hmm. um and then just be there for a short period of time and then he because he traveled he was in Africa he was many different places mm -hmm. and so to the states I asked my aunt all she says was yes they're not together anymore and I said oh okay mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, me and my and I explained it to my brother and he was like oh okay and we just went about our business like like it's okay but would, would, okay. You, would you would you say because you know would you say that you repress that at all so that you could deal with it no no because if no. you had it would have come up later on in life as an adult it was still over mm -hmm. It didn't. And I think part of it was because my brother and I felt so loved, we didn't mm -hmm. miss anything. Like we just didn't miss it. It's, it's as if it's a thing. It's a historical event and it happened. Mm -hmm. We made mental note of it and we just kept on going with our lives. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, next. But I do think part of it, there is a certain amount of resilience that um, I realized that people from where I yes yes exactly and I think right. between what the Holy Spirit is doing and that mm -hmm. resilience and mm -hmm. that mind that I acquired at a very early age all of that really mm -hmm. helped and I and I did you know made sure that I went I saw that therapy when I got old enough mm -hmm. to just say okay. hey am I, okay? am I really okay because I was so okay, okay. I started Am I okay? <laughs> oh, praise God. So you, were, you, you were so okay. You had to check in to make sure you were okay. I had to check in. Right. I had really good. did. I thought I was repressing things. Um, but at all, I was like, That's okay. great. I think the other thing is, too, I thought, and I'm like, well, it's their decision. It's their life. They asked me to so get married when they were getting married. Mm -hmm. Why should they tell that's me right. when they're divorced? Like, they're grown. Mm -hmm. They make their choices yes. and that's that mm -hmm. that has nothing to me it had nothing to do with me because it was about them and that's really mm -hmm. how i saw it yes that's excellent and as a sidebar just to encourage our audience tonight i heard you say that you sought out therapy you know mm -hmm. i'm a therapist myself and i know that you work uh, in the field with all types of people and trauma as you listed sexual assault and whatnot and so i know with with that population, I'm I almost certain that you would encourage them to seek Absolutely. therapy. Absolutely. Now, I want you to encourage our audience that's listening listen, and let them know listen. that it's okay to seek therapy. Jesus and um, therapy is a perfect combination. Amen. Yes, we can pray. Amen. <laughs> yes, Amen. To the Lord. All of that is necessary. But here's the beautiful thing. Excuse Just the way we are asking. Amen. Yes, you can keep expounding. I'm going to let you go ahead and keep expounding on the screen. And sure. just, let us Just the way we, yes, just the way we 
are utilizing re, um, this um, virtual virtual platform, and we're really grateful for it. We also know that God gave somebody the ability, the knowledge, and the know-how to create all these different things that we take uh, we take advantage of. And just like He gives the knowledge and know know-how to the surgeons, to the heart surgeons, or, or the cancer surgeons the dentist right god also has given the psychologists and the therapists tools and information and ideas and things to help us um therapists also have therapists so we all need the, the proper tools because life is tough and life comes at us very hard life it does not is it, life is relentless sometimes on your own is not uh it's not the best because that's there's right. just there's no need that's to right. suffer that's exactly right and, and, so <laughs> and i like how you share that the therapists even need a therapist that means mm -hmm. that we that we as as leaders you know we need someone that we could talk to as well and share some things that are going on with us so I hope that people that are listening that are in leadership positions and are pastors and whatnot, that it's okay to seek out the help as well. That doesn't mean that, you know, your faith is weak. Exactly. And I also I want to add, not only do we need therapy, but also we need to live in community. You have to have be in a community that keeps you accountable, whether you are in your field or a pastor or whatever must mm -hmm. if you want to really grow and heal and be well and and win in all the things that are important in life life mm -hmm. gotta live in community have some yes. one or two or three or four people not your older people and you need younger people That's you need right. men and women and people who will keep you accountable people who will check you I have a village and that village will check me. And and I That's have a good. daughter. Okay. I have a daughter, one of my goddaughters, who will check me. She says things like, I don't remember this part of the plan. Okay. <laughs> oh so that my. Means, okay, so now at that point I know I am living out of purpose. That's good. That's excellent. That's just excellent. And to have someone to be accountable to. And I like the way that you shared that you should have people of different ages and all not just different yes, of in a village. That's good. And mm -hmm. be vulnerable to someone and accountable to someone else. It keeps you humble. Keeps you humble. Mm -hmm. That's great. Now, we're going to move on a little bit further down. And you said here in your bio that after high school, you um, went on to college and you were blessed to be able to um, to actually receive several degrees. Can you tell us a little bit about, about your educational background and some of the degrees that the Lord blessed you to be able to receive? Sure. So here's the kicker. In high school, I went to one of a pretty good high school, and, and I did to go to the high school I really wanted. Um, right around that time, they started where you have to go to the high school that's within your area, mm -hmm. and 
my guidance, I at the time I was going to high school to become a psychologist. Mm -hmm. So I had two dreams to become a psychologist or a uh, or an attorney. I see. When I mm -hmm. spoke with my um, guidance counselor, mm -hmm. he told me, oh, no, you can't become a psychologist. Um, the best you could hope for is to be a secretary. Oh, my. Well, well, I hate typing. Okay. <laughs> I hate taking dictations. I see. I had a problem. So I mm -hmm. remember going home, very sad, very, uh, and my older sister said, and I told mm -hmm. her, and she said, say what the Okay. <laughs> and I never, I never heard about it again. I went to sleep that I night. I prayed to God. I, I don't understand because mm -hmm. you put in my heart this want to do these things. And now this mm -hmm. person was supposed to guiding me is telling me that it's wrong mm -hmm. that i can never do these things oh and my. so yeah and so that was that i graduated i did number 10 out of a school out of the 490. Oh so my. i knew that's, i knew i wasn't dumb. A, <laughs> right. wow that's amazing I, you said out of you were the top 10 out of 400. That's amazing, Des. You were you were very bright. I'd like to say. So I'm saying the to guidance, myself. I wonder why did the guidance counselor? Why do you think the guidance counselor um, told you that? You know, you at the time, very, really, at the time, I was just angry. Um, later okay. on in life, I realized it was a it, it was a racism thing. Okay, because my the guidance counselor was white. But what I okay. did have. I had a village. Okay. Um, the head of the bio, the head of the science department was an African American male. Okay. Mm -hmm. The head of the English department, so, so no, the head of the science was an African American male, and the head of the uh, history department was an African male. Mm -hmm. The one of my favorite professor was Jewish. I see. And so I went to all three on separate occasion them mm -hmm. about the situation. And I used to work with the on uh, the D. So I did like a mm -hmm. little like really like an office manager with the dean's office. And the majority of them were Italian. And so mm -hmm. I told all of these different older people what this guidance counselor said. And I'll never forget the Italian um, dean, Mr. Andrillo, I still mm -hmm. to this day okay. said to me, okay. why are you listening? Blah, blah. He doesn't know what he's talking about. If you weren't oh, smart, my. you would not be working in this office. Mm -hmm. Right? So oh, my. Was yes. He was the first person I told. Then when I went to Dr. Boxdale, Dr. Boxdale, ignore that. Follow your heart. I went I to Miss Smith. Miss Smith said, "You know, I don't know why here." Mm -hmm. Oh my! Miss Knox, who was Jewish, she looked uh -huh. at me. She said to me, "In your life, 
a mm -hmm. lot of people are going to tell you what you cannot do. Mm -hmm. You have to resolve with yourself to push through and do it anyway. I see. They not matter. When God mm -hmm. spoke to you, he spoke to you. What's in your right, heart right. is yours. Yes. You don't need to agree with you or approve it so you can do it. Do Amen. whatever you want to do. Amen. She says, don't you hit Amen. 18. She says to me, <clears throat> the age of voting, it's on you. That's good. That's good. That was excellent advice. And I never forgot that. Good for you. It, because she radically understood mm -hmm. um, that I needed. She was one that I was a lot more vulnerable with. I looked up to her um, because she was a fashionista. She had I see. fiery red hair and she impeccably. Okay. And so I used to follow her like a little puppy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think she understood me out of all of them. She understood me the most. So. I see. I see. And you it's and you said she was fiery. She had that little red hair and whatnot. So it sounds like you were drawn to her because of her differences and her ability to be outside of the box. Is, am I correct? Yeah, I was drawn to that. I was drawn to that. She was very outside of the box. So I was definitely that's drawn it. to that. And I think I figured out when I got much older, that's because that's who I was. I was not exactly. the, I, I was not that person that followed this drum beat, right? I was my own, yeah. own drum major. I followed what I believed to do. And from there, mm -hmm. I applied to, um, I first started attending Marymount, Marymount University. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a very private college for girls only. Mm -hmm. I, I was there for about okay. a year or two. And then from there, mm -hmm. I uh, went on to Bernard Baruch College, which was one of the two universities for business. Because I also loved business. I loved so many things. That was part of the problem. <laughs> Whereas I couldn't right. do anything. I loved it. Because the way um the way I grew up, ultimately my father states, and every summer, and my father was always there. He was always in my life in my life. I saw him pretty much every day or every other day because that was his sister that raised me. And during okay. the summer, one of the things that he did, he uh always had a reading list for me mm -hmm. during the summer i read all the french classics oh my yeah yeah you know come you know, like all the french classics in french oh, and i took the book report in french, oh, nice. in french. And nice. I he corrected uh that was oh boy so <laughs> that was it mm -hmm. we, my goodness self and camp that was it Mm -hmm. I lived, I lived uh, a block or two blocks away from the Brooklyn Public Library, uh, mm -hmm. around the corner from the Botanical Gardens and the Brooklyn Museum. That's mm -hmm. my playground. I, see. I was there wow. every week. I knew where everything was. Whatever the exhibit oh. was in the museum, I could, uh -huh. I could take, I could do a tour. I would go and I would spend endless hours here. Um, oh my. my father also gave me this love for the classics. Um, yes. One of the things that he did is we had four dates a year. Mm -hmm. For four dates a year. 
I see. Where he took, took me to the ballet. Uh, we uh-huh. did four things in the fall, ballet mm-hmm. in the spring, the Harlem mm-hmm. Boys Choir for Christmas. I see. Some, something new, you know, at some point. And we went to dinner. So he wore his tux. I oh, wore my gown. And we went oh, out. Yeah. It was fancy. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> That's nice. He gave me that. You know, he gave me the whole understanding of presenting yourself to be received. Oh, uh, he excellent. was sharp. I mean, this man's attack, you could not oh. find a hair out of place on <laughs> him, right? And so, oh my, that, yeah, not a hair out of place. Of that, when oh. it comes time to going to school, I really was able to matriculate into school very easily because the people, one, the school that I went to, I would say was maybe had a 10% of non-white. Every It was either Asian or Asian. Didn't oh, really see. mean anything to me. And Jewish, a lot, a lot of Jewish. Didn't really I mean see. anything. Area I lived in, that's the world mm-hmm. I operated in. And so that was fine. I mean, my church was Haitian, but everything I else see. I did, you know, whether going... And so at school... I can participate in conversation. I see. You know, I can talk about Verdi and I can talk about Tosca, mm-hmm. you know, about the New York City LA, or, you know, I, 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 I could have those conversations. Mm-hmm. I can talk about the what's the museum, the Greeks, you know, in the the, the, the the Egyptian. I could have conversation. And so professors would invite me into the push. Oh my, would they really? Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> so I spent quite a bit of time in the professor lounge just being around conversation and learning the lingo. Oh boy. Um, watching mm-hmm. the maneuverings. And I was taught very early by my, you know, with my aunt to always pay attention. And yes. I pay attention. Mm-hmm. That's good for you. Good for you. And fr- from there, while at college, you you joined a sorority. Tell us yes. a little bit about the Alpha sorority that you joined and your love for community service was actually birthed as a result of being a part of that. Definitely. So I always wanted to join. Um, at the time when I was going to go to college, I had an opportunity to go to Howard University. Things fell apart and I didn't make it. And so I always wanted to join. And of course, the school I went to was not part of the Divine Nine. However, there was an extension done for other schools to be able to participate um, for like professional. So I went to school in the evening. So I was a professional student. And so there was uh, the Sigma Alpha um, group that was created just for Baruch College because it was one of the top not just for, but it was part of Baruch College because of the status yes, and the, you know, um, hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And so I joined that. And that was because it was a very professional um, environment where we did many. And one of the things that mm-hmm. they really growing up, 
So I grandmother do community work. I didn't understand it as community work, but she did. Um, I yes. found out later on that she did prison ministry. To I me, see. it was just part of her life. Like this is what she does. She feeds the prisoners right. and prison ministry in Haiti. You understand way more different than it would be here. Right? Yes, um, mm-hmm. because her prison ministry she take care of the prisoners, but she also took care of the families who were in prison. Right. Oh, good for her. Yes, right. She was able. She was a very well loved woman. So when mm-hmm. I joined, and at my church, we did a lot of work, a lot of ministry at church, but mm-hmm. never really did ministry outside of the church. Everything I did was in the church. I see. With the, when, we, when I pledged, it was my first opportunity to do something outside of the church with the hardcore community. And mm-hmm. we, there was an armory on 17th street I believe, in, uh, in New York City in Manhattan and we used to go there every Thursday to feed the homeless and because I we see. were all professional students we would buy things mm-hmm. uh, the food but we would buy other things for them and then we would help serve yes after we served we, and we would talk and at the time it was only men mm-hmm. in the shelter and one of the mm-hmm things I can recognize majority of the men we were meeting were highly intellectual, highly educated, who highly, we're talking scientists, attorneys, Mm -hmm. people who worked on Wall Street, who just Uh then at some point in their life when the stress got too much or whatever, had a mental health Mm -hmm. breakdown. Oh my. And there was of savant i didn't know what a savant was okay i didn't visit yes. until then mm-hmm. right i didn't understand asperger till then like they didn't have those names then but i saw oh, the presentation, right. right the presentation was there right. uh and yes. when we're having conversation with these these, these are some brilliant i mean utilizing words yes. i never heard of <laughs> Yes. Talking up a concept that was like, right? Yes, over your head. Over my head. But what I then understood was that the stigma that was attached to mental health didn't belong there. Okay, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Didn't have training right. yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Didn't have language for it. But for mm-hmm. meeting those people, I recognized that if this can happen to these people who had mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, what about people who don't have all the means? I mean, some people right. who their family would come see them at the arm, you know, and it was really, it was, it was an education for sure, I but it was so mm-hmm. hard to see the families really wish a loved one home. Mm-hmm. So that therein began my my new, new love I see. for service, you know, to I really see. reach out to people and tell them about the love of God, but in way, but mm-hmm. just in the way I serve them or in the I way see. them or in the way I listen to them. And then when That's when good. and if they're ready, then sit down and really have the conversation and let them know that Jesus loves them. 
you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. That's excellent. And I like how you pointed out that these were people that were affluent individuals that had had a mental health break and they were there at a shelter. And you found out that if those types of people that are supposed to be well-to-do never would have been thought to be in that type of situation, if they could be there, you said it could happen to anyone. And it was an eye-opener for, for you. Absolutely. So I want you to speak with to our listening audience and let them know that, you know, there it can happen to any to anyone once again with mental health. The the importance of seeking out help, especially if you are a professional and you are under stress and you wear the mask every day. You put on your makeup, you put on your tie, yep. you put on your nice Stacy Adams shoes, fix your hair, and you go on out to that corporate world, right? Right. But inside, inside, it's just all stressful. It's dark and chaotic. Can you talk to our audience? Absolutely. About you know what I want to say. What I want to talk about is mental, um, mental wellness. Yes. Because what I believe, what I really believe, that if we are practicing mental wellness, you yes. can actually see a breakdown coming on. Yes. Here's the reality. Life is stressful. Life is hard and fast. Yes. There's no warning to what it can be an illness. It can be a job loss. It can be a parental. Like, it can be anything. If we're practicing That's mental right. wellness by going to a therapist, let you know, on the regular then you're, mm -hmm. you and your therapist, because you're having conversation, can actually yes. see something coming up. That's right. Exactly. Number two, when we step into the world, you know what I was saying earlier about being um, invited to the, lunch, to the lounge of the professors? What That's that right. did for me is that it gave me language and it taught me how to be around the people that are in power and in control. I see. Most I see. people have never seen and i have a, a prophet said to me what you got to understand by being in those rooms was you learned white men talk oh look at that can, okay can you I say didn't that know. once again can you repeat right. that right. <laughs> my professor told me being in that in those in those spaces with the professors i was learning white man talk and right? what does that mean what is white man talk to me? White man talk is how white people, number one, who is running, who is in the corner offices of the, of the different organizations, of the different businesses, of the different conglomerates, are white men and women for the most. And right. those people, when they're looking to hire, hire people that look like them, people that can fit into their by being exactly. in that lounge and being around and paying attention and watching how they do, I mm -hmm. I can sh what I call can shift. I can um, shift, right? Mm -hmm. I can shift from being a Haitian woman because you remember I learned I how see. to shift already. I came from Haiti yes. to America. I learned how to shift yeah. then. So my powers, That's my right. ability to shift, is already in yeah. me, right? I see. The second yes. thing is I am coming in knowing who I am, right? Yes. I am Haitian. Mm -hmm. I am black. Mm -hmm. I am Haitian. 
I'm a black Latina, really. Yes. I know who I am in my culture, in my in my yes. standing in life. I know who I am. Then mm -hmm. I know who I am in God. Mm -hmm. Right? Good. And so Good. because of all those shorties, like because of all those things I'm sure of, now mm -hmm. I know how to shift. But when mm -hmm. because I know the language, mm -hmm. right? I right. am I, I can I can I can speak language in the office then I probably don't speak when I'm hanging out with my friends. Exactly. Exactly. Okay? Mm -hmm. I understand that deals are not made on the basketball court. Why? Yes. Because basketball court is a lot of exertion. Deals okay. are made, number one, in, in, in New York, deals were made ball court. Hey, look That's at that. Okay. On the racquetball court. On the racquetball court. <laughs> So and I why learned was that? because that was it. There were a lot of racquetball courts in New York. And of course they were very expensive. They were part of the I different uh, clubs, right? Um, exactly. Right. Who can attend? Who can, who has the money for the fee for these clubs? We don't. Right. Right. right? But right. I got, I get invited. I get to go dinner in those clubs. Right. I get right. passes to go play racquetball in those courts. Right, really the golf course, right, and other places it would be the golf course, but it was racquetball in New York. I see, and you right? knew, and you I knew you had a strategy. You were a smart woman. You said you had, you knew, you knew how to play the game, right? It's crazy, right? I never actually planned it. Yes, it wasn't a plan. <laughs> Every time I found myself, I maximized it. Mm -hmm. Look and because God. of who I was and because of what I knew, they mm -hmm. felt safe. Right? They felt great. safe inviting me to their parties because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I listen to classical. You like Verdi? I like Verdi. You like Tosca? I like Tosca. <laughs> right? I see. <laughs> oh, okay. We like, maybe we're not okay. so different yeah. after all. Right? And Good so, you. <laughs> you know, as I am maturing, I'm getting out of, you know, um, I it, even after school, I continue to serve at the, um, at the armory. And then it was like, oh my goodness. I started working with this agency called Women at Work. I see. And uh, no, I'm sorry, Worker Career Center. Mm -hmm. And work. Career Center was really a people get back to work. It was mm -hmm. a, a, a it was a pro, it was a center, but it's over well not overseen, but they have partnered with the Department of Department of Education and um, Unemployment. I see, right? And it received a lot of grants yes. to help people get mm -hmm. back to work. And so I started working there. So that's how the love for nonprofit from there I worked with um I worked in RFO for people who wanted to get off welfare mm -hmm. ownership. I see. So I worked with that project also. Um uh -huh. and, and meanwhile I also had my own um event planning business I which see. I didn't put in the bio because my bio is way too long. But yes. <laughs> The, the ability to 
step out and participate in the entire world. I see. Like, I'm one of the few people that I met in every, like most people that live in New York, if they live in Brooklyn, they never go to Manhattan. I see. I go to Manhattan. And and why is that? Why don't they go to Manhattan? I don't know. I think Manhattan, maybe they, they do now. I know what they do. But mm -hmm. back then they did. So like people who lived in New Jersey, they don't go to Manhattan. Manhattan was busy, busy, right? There's a lot going mm -hmm. on. I saw I Manhattan as, um, as a training ground. I see. You know, because uh -huh. that's where the empire is. Huh? How did you see it as a training? What about, what about it made you see it as a training ground, Pastor? Because that's where the banking center was. I see. Right? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. where the banking center was. That's of all languages. People, there were visitors in Manhattan every day. People were visiting. Right? People from mm -hmm. all over the country. I hear just all the time. That's where the, uh, the Twin Towers were. That's where the World Trade Center. To me, the World Trade Center meant that the world was at my fingertips. I was in Manhattan. I but see. that's also where all the opera houses were. That's where all were. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, it was, for me, it was like that, uh, that extra layer of education. I see. That mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, especially Christian people mm -hmm. veil themselves of because they're afraid of mingling with the world. And my I idea see. is, if I'm solid in who I am in Christ, I can go anywhere because Jesus is Amen. with me wherever I go. Amen. Amen. That's uh, right. That's, so, amen. Yeah. That is so true. I saw on your on your email, on the bottom of your email, there is this really good quote. And I believe that I captured it here. Let me see if I captured it. And I just loved it. And if I didn't capture it, I'm sure you'll know what I'm referring to. And you speak about that the 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 that the um, I want to quote it that the evil that inside of us that you don't have to fear what's on the outside of you because if you already have if you're solid and you have. Um, mm -hmm. the Lord, I'd say on the inside of you, then you don't have to fear what's on the outside and the external factors that they're going to affect you right. and, and literally destroy you. Now, maybe didn't quote that quite right, but that touched me when I read it on the bottom of your emails, the tagline. Tell us a little bit about that particular quote. And it must be you one know, of your favorites. It is, and it is an African... Um, I wrote it, I took it from a um, book of quotes, except mm -hmm. that I cannot find where I saved it. <laughs> I cannot find oh. where I saved it. But it is absolutely one of my favorite quotes because um, the way I look at it is this. Mm -hmm. There's always going to, with, where, where there is no enemy within, the enemies outside cannot hurt you. Exactly. And when I saw it, 
the first time I saw it, believe it or not, it reminded me of what Miss Knox had told me. I see. When she said, you follow what you believe, right? Mm -hmm. are the one that gets the message. Nobody else is going to get that message. So whatever the mm -hmm. message that she was Jewish, she wasn't a Christian, but she understood mm -hmm. whatever that message that was that you received, only you can account for it. And so the point was, no matter who else tells you what, you have to be accountable. You're going to be accountable. And my, yes. my parents had this thing they did. If when you were in school, let's say, you know, children get into fights. Yes. If you got into a fight and if you got into trouble because you got into trouble, let's say mm -hmm. you did something. Yes. You, you know, don't do this. You get talked to whatever. But if mm -hmm. you got into trouble and you did something because mm -hmm. you were following other people. Yes. Punishment. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I right? see. Mm -hmm. And so I did not like getting punished. Now, I see. I'm very <laughs> honest. I deserved. Because I have pulled. <laughs> Some but God moments in my life. I've had my mom walk away, shaking her head, going in the room, and okay. I'm not sure what talked about breathing so they wouldn't kill me. Right? I'm positive. Okay. Uh, okay. I I was not easy because because I really. You know, if you come at me one way, I'm gonna check you. It, it didn't. I didn't care. I what? I didn't care who you. If you disrespected mm -hmm. me, I would. I wouldn't disrespect you, but I would let you know mm -hmm. that you disrespected me and that I'm expecting greater from you. Yeah. So I've called out. I've called out adults. Um, <laughs> and we both know that did never. That never went well. Whoa. No, 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 no. That's never well. Uh, but I no, did it no, anyway. not at all. Not at this know. in this cult, not in this particular culture. No. Right? And it, I was way younger. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, no. So, so for you, me, that quote was about in here. And if I'm I silent, see. In here, the world around me shutting down. People can say whatever they want to say. People can think I am this, but like whatever, it's your opinion, and everybody's allowed to their opinion. I and I'm good. That's excellent, and that is excellent. And I hope that those are list that are listening know that to be solid inside, it starts first. First of all, it starts internally, and then you can exuberate that on the outside. You know. There's a there's a, a quote that I like to say biblical that is something on the inside that's working on the outside that brought about a change in my life. The Holy that's Spirit that's on the inside of me is working all things together for God's good. And then Amen. it's the outside appearance that you see by the way that I talk, the way that I look, the things that I do. It's all because of my internal things that are inside. And so that's why I really love that that quote. Also. Um, in your bio, you have noted that you have a, you've obtained a Master's of Divinity degree, MDiv, 
from Fuller Theological Seminary. That's one of the top seminaries in the country and a master's yes. in pastoral counseling and recovery. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, about that and your uh, journey through Fuller Theological Seminary? You know, again, uh, um, my time in, at Baruch, my time, you know, just exploring the world around me made mm -hmm. going to Fuller really easy. Mm -hmm. um, the hardest part for me, I mean, so the hardest part was accepting the fact that, okay, seminary, because that was not my plan. I see. Fuller for an MFT. I was going I see. to try the psychology thing again one last time, right? Um, okay. But when I had my interview, uh, my entrance interview, the the, mm -hmm. the interviewer said to me at the end, he said, well, I know you applied for the MFT program, but the spirit of the Lord is telling me I'm sister. Oh, and my. I, that, I rejected that and rebuked it mm -hmm. for Humanly, um, because I was like, no, I'm not, not no. doing it. No way. No way. Not in this time. No way. Ever. 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 And I. Why were you so against that? Why were you so against? Because female. That? Because female pastors are not very respected. There's. They were not okay. very um, elevated. Not in my community, right? I've see. seen a few female pastors, mm -hmm. but none of. Them. There were like a very few female pastors in the, in the Adventist world, and there were a couple of women who actually did 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 go to seminary. I've heard the, the nightmare stories. They never got positioned working as Bible workers, making half the pay that with the same degree that the men were making double the pay. With right, so I was I I fought I fought too much. I'm done. I'm not gonna fight another war again just to be accepted. I'm not doing it. Uh, and I so, see. but the spirit of the Lord was not backing them. And uh, at a point, it felt like I was being disobedient to I the see. Holy Spirit. And I started mm -hmm. thinking, uh, am, I, am I approaching that where I am offending mm -hmm. the spirit? I, right? I started thinking, I was, I was not happy. Mm -hmm. I'm not... I'm, not gonna lie, I was really, really angry. However, oh I was really angry. at yourself, However, angry at yourself, at God, at God that He oh. would ask that of me. I, I, I at see. God that He would ask that of me. I thought I was being unfair. I uh, see. I, he didn't. He didn't think this through. <laughs> okay. <laughs> God I didn't think it through. Okay. You needed to go back and think it one more time. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Right>. oh my. <laughs> yeah. I told you. Um, okay. But, <laughs> you got a hard time. <laughs> oh, I would, I really will. But at that point, arms are too point when I saw this with God, though, you know, our arms are too, too short to box with God. And did you find yeah. that out sooner or later? You must have found that out. Of course I did, you know, of course I did. And you know what, here, but here's the beautiful thing about, okay, so here's the beautiful thing about living free. I see. Right? Yes. I felt free enough to argue with God. Okay. 
because I knew my arguing was not going to push me out of his grace. Amen. Amen. And I was that that when he said, come, let us reason together, that that's what he meant. Amen. Amen. And I literally, right? And so we reasoned. I talked, he listened, and he just just shook his head a lot. Um, But I finally did. I finally did. I finally said, okay. So I went. And for the most part, I really enjoyed everything. The my I biggest see. challenge was I didn't go to a Bible college. I see. And so I had to do extra work to catch up. Oh, I see. Um, mm-hmm. right to mm-hmm. look church fathers and all of those things. And I didn't go to my denominational school. I went to a completely different school. So I yes. had to do extra work to catch up. Uh, but I outside see. of that, and of course, Greek and Greek and Hebrew yes. almost took me out. Oh, yes. Same, same here. Same here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the yes. song that says, I almost let go. <laughs> yes. Amen. But, uh, I made it through and I'm so yes. glad I did. I'm and you really made it through. And now, since you've made it through that, it's been some years ago. Now you are actually studying for your, I'm going to let you say it. My. <laughs> I am actually studying. I actually just got accepted into a doctoral uh, ministry program. And it's yes. a program for women in leadership. That's good. And uh, it's, I'm just wrapping up my first year. So pray my mm-hmm. strength in the Lord. I have a lot of projects ahead of me that needs to be turned in in the next six weeks. I but see. I really do believe that God is leading me in that direction. And then with that also... It looks like, so I don't know if you're hearing the ding, but there's a lot of ding going on because um, this week I'm about to find out if I'm going to be going in uh, and starting a new position. Okay. I see. As an associate pastor. At your church? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, praise God. That's excellent. That is just excellent for you. Yes. And all, all after you wrestled, after you wrestled with the Lord. And now look how he opened things up for you right in that yes. area where your strength yes. lies. I wrestled, I, I prayed, I meditated. I was waking up at 4:30. I am not a morning person at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but um Hebrew has Hebrew yes, had this. Yes, yes. I was waking up at 4 30 mm-hmm. just to learn how to meditate so Amen. that I could quiet my so I can be able to understand Hebrew and understand what God was saying. And mm-hmm. I also um that it is good to not try to think from God because God I who see. knows all and sees all <laughs> in all and mm-hmm. within all, uh, he would That's rather right. I bring it to him. And so I bring it all to him, all the questioning. And there's a lot of questioning still. It's no longer a questioning about, do I belong here? Or, you know, should I be doing this? It's more of a question. Right. Like, oh, God, what's next? How do you want me to do this? Help me to stay, those type of things. Yeah. But that, that's um, Yeah. And I, I'm glad that you brought that out pastor that it was okay to reason with the Lord because we've been taught in so many denominations that you can never 
reason with never question the Lord. Okay. Never reason with him and all, but you, but you said you did that and you did it respectfully and the Lord listened to you. Now, maybe you didn't win out, but you did it. And I believe that the Lord appreciated that because you were honest, honest with him from the depths of your spirit. Absolutely. And can you tell our listening audience that where that um, place of being able to reason with the Lord actually helped to get you to where you are now? I think you, you may know, have said a little bit of that, but I think someone under the sound of our voice needs to hear that. I feel that someone's struggling right now with that very same absolutely. issue. You know, I think for me, um, having control of my own voice matters. I Part see. of it, I know, has a lot to do with having been in, in the Catholic Church. I spoke what I was told to speak. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. Uh, if anybody knows, my last name is Guerrier. It actually means, it translates to, the literal translation for my name is warrior. That's a I literal see. translation oh. of my last name. I see. Mm -hmm. Warrior by nature, what I cannot do is have someone speak. And one of the things that I absolutely loved, and I loved it with my grandmother and with my mother and with my aunt, I got to see these women talk with God. I mean, they talked about Abraham and God. And I saw the whole thing with Abraham talking to God about, you know, this, um, Sodom and Gomorrah, but God, what if, but God, what is this 10 people? So I saw that exchange. I saw the exchange yes. between Moses and God, right? God and Moses back and forth. Saying, no, they're your people. You, you went and got them. No, you can't turn your back on them. Now, like I saw all yes. These people that we talk about in the Bible, reference, I saw them having mm -hmm. these exchange. And my, my thing was, if God is my father. I see. Then I should be able to have this exchange, right? Because right, I can talk right. to my father. You know, he wasn't right. always a very reasonable man, but I could, like, I my pop, like, the, the person right. that I think of my real father is my pop, my uncle. I yes. could sit and talk with him about anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he will listen. Even if I was up, he will listen because I'm, mm -hmm. of course I'm going to be respectful, but he would listen. Yes. But from watching my mom talking to God, just the, my mom would like come in our room while we're sleeping, talking. She's mm -hmm. always talking or singing and anoint okay. us. I see. In our bed, right? <laughs> and so from Amen. watching my grandmother talking to God, she was always talking to somebody. She didn't have earphones at the time, so she had to be uh -huh. talking to God, right? Right. So, Amen. No pods were in her ears. No pods were in her ears. So from right. that, watching that, I recognize, oh, it's okay. I see. Because God is my father. That's so right. So it's okay to talk to my father and to right. let him right. know when I'm not happy, when I'm That's discouraged, when mm -hmm. I'm hurt. That, and I'll say things like, well, didn't you say... Our earthly fathers give good gifts, then you as the heavenly father give even better gifts. Like, isn't that what you said? And I call him out on well, didn't you say that you had a plan for my life? Or mm -hmm. didn't you say that you were my prayers? And didn't you say, and I'll talk to God and I'll put back on him. And I'm like, well, look, yes. sometimes when it gets crazy, I pull out the Bible and I say, see <laughs> the scripture right here. That's you right. Say, that right that's right amen that's right that. 
I contend and I and I cry and I talk. And then, you know, then moments we I laugh and I can literally hear the angels yeah. are like, boy, this one, right? Oh, good but, for you. But I'm I'm my relationship for because for me, it's into church. It's not about right. words, it's a relation. I'm in a exactly. relationship with the Trinity. Right? That's good. I yes. pray for the yes. Holy Spirit to speak through me and to use me and, and to guide me and to give me wisdom. That's I it. pray for Jesus that because I know Jesus for his sacrifice and for his continuous intercession. Right? Amen. Amen. And I pray to the Father, forgiveness mm -hmm. that he gives, for the grace that he right. gives, for the love mm -hmm. that he gives. And I whatever I need. Right now I'm praying on something. It is unreasonable I could be asking for but that means nothing uh -huh. to me my father mm -hmm. says the cattle of a thousand hills belong to me if I needed that's anything right. I would ask you therefore that's right if you have that much you have it all in your hand I am in need daddy mm -hmm. here I yep. am mm -hmm. right? that's my relationship with you that's and great. we don't join outside of a relationship. It That's has to happen great. inside of a relationship. That's excellent. You know what? You know, this past Sunday, I definitely, I preached about that with Esther. Esther and how she was an orphan girl and how her uncle Mordecai adopted her right. and raised her in the fear of the Lord. And she mm -hmm. found favor with that king because she had a relationship with the Lord and she was right. bold enough to go in and tell the king what she wanted, even without an invitation. She could have been killed, but she risked her life. She said, if I perish, let me perish, you know, because I'm going to see the king. I believe what gave her that holy boldness was she had an actual relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Holy Spirit wasn't uh, with, with them then, but she still had a relationship with her God. That, she knew. You she know. Knew. That's Even She knew who she was. She knew she was part of the covenant. She already knew she was part of the covenant. She knew even mm -hmm. though she was, you know, I mean, my theory on Esther, I mean, it was like she was a sexual trafficker. She was trafficked because right. she's taken from one place to another. Somebody, and she, right. To become quote a possible concubine or even a wife right who knows exactly she, mm -hmm. she knew who she was that's right she sure she did knew her culture. Mm -hmm. she knew what the promises were she knew mm -hmm. who her god was and so when she mm -hmm. stepped and said if i perish i perish it wasn't some foolish or whatever no she was right. she knew she was on mission and she knew the person mm -hmm. sending her on this mission had her that's right. That's right. And she knew that it was bigger than her. The mission that, that was the Lord bigger. got centered on was bigger than her. And I believe, Pastor Neasley, that, that that is what you realize, that the Lord has put something inside of you that's so much bigger than you could ever contain ever. within yourself. Ever. And ever. That, that is why... You know, I asked that you would be our guest on the podcast because when I first met you, 
you know, when you invited me to be a guest on the book club, I really enjoyed our conversation then. And I, I, was- I like the way that the Lord has, has used you not only, you know, in the schools and in your places of work, but also in your previous place of work over at the Los Angeles uh, mission. You and I spoke a little bit about that and your love for for that place and the people there and that when the Lord said it was time for a new season, how that just really affected your heart and you did not want to move on. Tell us a little bit about your work with the Los Angeles uh, mission as a lead chaplain and and, uh, working with the women there. Yes. So, you know, after I left uh, seminary, uh, I did uh, almost a year of chaplaincy training at a hospital, a year as a pastoral, like a assistant pastor at my church, group and discipleship, which I really mm-hmm. like, and um, job. And so I was supposed to start working with the conference and at the church, but so wrong that no one could understand what was going on right mm-hmm. out of nowhere i got this e- email for this op- for this that was job searching by then and i mm-hmm. looked at it and i didn't know what it was i ignored it so on the third email the third time i received the email i believed um you know it's it meant something so mm-hmm. i looked into it Mm-hmm. And I was talking to someone, I was telling her, I got this email for this place and what is it? So when I, she says, what? So I told her, she says, oh my gosh. She said, Chaplain, you will love it. She says, go for the interview. Or like she says, like, send in your application. You love it. Blah, 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 right. Mm-hmm. But she's young. Uh, she mm-hmm. absolutely saw something in me that even I wasn't paying. Oh my. Mm-hmm. Is an artist. Um, mm-hmm. she's, you know, she, she, when I met, she was Buddhist. And then I one see. day she said, she came to me and she said, I want to know more about Jesus. Cause I want to, oh. I want to be like you. Mm-hmm. Oh my. Okay. Oh, boy. So I think <laughs> I gave her a book about, um, Buddha and So it was a book that she could really understand and she could understand the tenets and whatnot. Well, anyway, I I Mm -hmm. applied for this position and I got called for an interview. The day of the interview, I left my house early. I did everything right. I got so lost, not realizing I was on the corner of where I was supposed to be, but there was no one around to tell me where I was. I see. 30 minutes later, I am looking around. I am going, God, this is not funny. I see. It's getting scary. It's Mm -hmm. on Skid Row, which is one of the scariest places that I do. I've been there. My brother lives in um, that area. He lives there, and I've been there. It is rather scary looking. It is rather scary. And you can imagine, it gets Mm -hmm. worse as the... um, as a housing situation gets worse here in LA, right? And yeah, um, so anyway, right. fast, yeah, fast forward, I got the position with the most amazing uh, program director and um, really loved because part of what I did as a chaplain, it wasn't your usual chaplaincy position. It was mm-hmm. more like a chaplain slash program manager. I see. Where I created dimes for the women. 
So I worked for the women's seat. And so it mm -hmm. was a 30 bed um, where women who were interested in healing and recovering from an alcohol would come and would stay. So for the first 30 days was really um, teaching them about the word of God and the Bible, um, getting them one-on-one -on -one therapy, uh, mm. teaching them about drug education, and then some other things like uh, teaching them what it means to be a kingdom woman, uh, teaching mm -hmm. them about managing emotions, managing their food, managing their mm -hmm. body, managing their addiction, because it has to be managed after you've been in an yes. addiction for a long time. And so, yes. yeah, that's what I did. And also oversee uh, the other chaplains. I see. Um, they had been longer than I have. I see. However, they were not. They did not have training. They just started and kept up. They started in whatever I position, and as chaplain position opened up, they were pastors. Like they were pastors in their church, but they weren't. And they didn't. May, may I ask you this before you, before you go on? Yes. May I ask you this? This thought yes. came to my head. And this is something that happens when, when a person comes in that has the educational training and background and all, and then you step in to the position where the others have already been there serving in that position. Uh, sometimes, maybe it didn't happen in your case. Oh, it However, happened. They would it feel happened. very And it they happened. want to put hope and it becomes quite challenging. So it happened. Tell us a little bit about what happened. A lot of things happen, honestly. Some of it, you know, I just have to step back. I got to a point, that was the reason I left. Uh, I see. Um, because I had some of the, so the Los Angeles Mission, the way it's set up, there's a women's ministry section and then there's a men's ministry. So the women would be over the women, but there are times when we kind of like did things together. I got along really well with the with the male chaplains. They were wonderful. They were like brothers, um, really mm -hmm. able to glean from them, to learn from them. Um, yes. And they were very accommodating. They were very respectful. They were very open. And, you know, so we got along really well. The I female chaplain, unfortunately, that was not. And I, I tried pretty much everything, everything mm -hmm. except forgetting who I was, right? And one of, their, one of the one of the challenge for me and them was I know who I am. I see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when you know who you you don't accept anyone to tell you about yourself, okay. it becomes problematic. That's right. That's right. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I did when I got there was I was uh, I, I I looked over the program. And I felt that the program had been the same. Part of my job was to assess the program and then recommend and make certain changes. I was not trying to change the program itself, but I was trying to add to the program, right? Yeah. Adding groups, right? Adding support groups to the program, okay. adding classes to the program, mm -hmm. adding mm -hmm. certain things, <clears throat> excuse me. And of course, the, the because the the people who were there were pastors everything they did was bible i see right they didn't mm -hmm. do anything beyond 
I see. So if it wasn't in the Bible, they couldn't mm -hmm. understand the concept. I see. But because of my cosmopolitan um, upbringing, I, I recognize that if these are going to actually succeed in life, they need to step outside their comfort zone. I see. I see. And so I took them to farmer's market in a completely different neighborhood. I took okay. them to the opera. I took them to the, I went to the opera house. There's a school of music. I went, I, I told them what I wanted to do. I told them that I wanted to be able to bring them, but I don't have any money. If you ever have any, you know, um, events where you have extra ticket, me know, you know, in advance and, you know, and so I would take the ladies and they would be over the moon. Oh my. From when I take them and come back, they'd behave for at least a month. <laughs> oh right? my, that's excellent. They, I trusted them and they I knew see. that I trusted them. Mm -hmm. They wanted to earn my trust. I see. Uh, I was teaching them new things. Mm -hmm. They already knew what they knew. I wanted to teach them more about life. Life Excellent. is not just broken places where you come from, but there is beauty in life. Yeah, right? I help. Uh, would take them down to the beach. Uh, mm -hmm. They used to take them to the beach, but I would take them to like just beautiful hotels, you That's know, good. and and, mm -hmm. and have lunch and and just sit in the veranda and have lunch, like just things that didn't cost money because I didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Free things. There were lots. There are lots. Uh, prior to pandemic, we had a lot of free concerts. I see. I would take them to free concerts. There would be Shakespeare in the park. I take them to Shakespeare in the park. Mm -hmm. I expanded their learning of life and knowledge, and just gave I them see. other experiences to make them realize that life is more than just. But my colleagues did not feel that that was godly enough. Before you before you go a little bit further, how did that benefit those women by being exposed to things that they would have never been exposed to had you not have taken them? They started saying things like, "I didn't even know these things exist." Like when I, okay, I took them to the farmers market. Farmers market could not be more, right mm -hmm. to see mm -hmm. real food. I the see. food still with the dirt on it. Right, 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 right. That was massive. Amen. Oh my! Because what they used to this stuff, right? To, to see, see the food from the person who grew the food, who picked the food, mm -hmm. and who brings yes. the food—it's it, a whole mm -hmm. other mind. And then and helping them to understand why this food is better for them to eat. The more yes. green, leafy greens. All of that explaining to them, and then the farmers, of, of course, the farmers are more than excited to share about this because they want to yes. more people, you know. And okay. so, these are yeah. women who were like high blood pressure, diabetes, heart mm -hmm. medicine, knocking. Mm -hmm. They're telling the cook, We don't want to eat this stuff anymore, we want, we want more fruits. Oh, want really, vegetables. we don't want to eat white. We don't want to eat white bread, right? We want nuts. Oh we want chips. You know, I was costing the money for sure. Yes. But the beautiful thing was uh, the board of trustees loved the work that I was doing. The okay. president of the mission 
going, right? But okay. my immediate colleagues, so the, the powers that be choose with my work. I see. But my immediate colleagues is very gracious. I see. And that's the part where I said I wanted you to expound upon what mm -hmm. was the it. And the it had to do with them not being very gracious. And when you walked into that situation as a woman that was highly educated and well-trained, not only educated from a, a university setting, but life skills, I mm -hmm. wanted to know, well, how well were you, were you received? And I know oftentimes it, it results in, you know, you're not being as well received because they might have been intimidated by you, even but Christian people. That yeah, but here's what all. was interesting. Here's what was interesting, right? On one hand, they loved me. I see. Right? On one hand, they loved me. On yes. the other hand, their trauma and their um I guess in the way they see themselves, uh-huh, made them feel to be threatened by me. I see. That I makes see. sense. That's a good analogy. Yes, good analogy. It was that's the best way I could put it. Yes, it's more of an internal thing. It wasn't something that you were doing to them. It was something that they already had inside of them that was laying dormant that actually was awakened when you yeah. showed up. You right. most likely because helped them to see that blind spot that they were carrying right. around that they maybe never addressed. Never address. And the thing is, when I show up, uh, I show up in my freedom. Mm -hmm. That's right. People who are not free don't like free people. <laughs> That's right. You're hey, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> oh I man, can, Think of right? that that definitely was a nugget. That's right. People that aren't not free, they do not like free people, and they'll do whatever they can to keep you. They will do Feel whatever like, they can to keep you in bondage. Right. And I'm like, oh, That's no, buddy. Right. No, 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 no. Jeez. My, my famous saying is I died for this. I'm not dying on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so, yeah, that was. But I love them. And now I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot mm -hmm. from them. Uh, one of the things that I, you know, used to do was go to this one particular um, jail. I never mm -hmm. know the difference. Um, Linwood jail. Yeah. Uh, and get, uh, get, speak to the ladies in the jail, talk to them I about see. starting to think about what they're going to do with the offering them the opportunity mm -hmm. to become a part of the mission, con mm -hmm. you know, to complete their education so that they can get back on their feet. I love that mm -hmm. part of my job. Just seeing the light bulb come on. That's uh, good. And, you know, going to the jail was, things I've had to do because when you go to the jail and you see all you know, these black and brown women between the ages of right. like 19 and 45, 50, 55, these should be the mothers, yeah. the, the teachers, the nurses, the school principals, the right. doctors, the attorneys, and they're all incarcerated. And as you oh. get to know people and you and beautiful women, and as you get to know them, and you're hearing their stories and your mind is boggled. You're like, wait, you're in jail for how long for what? Right, right, right. You know, then you then you recognize uh the injustice of the justice system. Exactly. But that's exactly. a whole other conversation. 
That that's it. That's exactly right. And I'm so thankful that you were willing to do that. As the title of the episode says, "Unafraid." You did it. Yeah. You. I'm sorry. It said to do it afraid, and yeah. with that meant that you were reverencing. You were in reverence, and you were cognizant of what was going on around you. And all to the degree that you, you know, you took it very, very seriously when you said do it afraid, you know, and all. And you told me in the beginning of our conversation that you took the Lord's hand and you allowed him to walk you through the situations and the educational process and being able to be a woman that was outside thinking outside of the box and all running up against people that wanted to definitely keep you in bondage and whatnot. But God said not so. And not uh, so. before we transition to a close, though, I want you to tell us just a little bit about your current work that you're doing now at your church, serving at Mount Rebido. Can you Rebido. Rebido. And, Yes, and you're serving as an elder, and you're overseeing the family life department as well as a women's ministry coordinator. I'll tell us a little bit about your work uh, currently. Pastor. So right now I am a member of the uh, pastoral team and um, I'm also the family life director. So under the um, life, we have couples, singles, men, women, and uh, we also have a foster care and adoption um, um, a ministry. I see. Our, our foster care ministry is called Hard Child and supports anyone who's interested who actually is fostering or adopting or is interested in doing that and it's a support group for parents or anyone who wants okay. to do that church is really Good. really big about fostering and adoption I so see. we um case cases casas cas, casa we work with casa yes I know. yes so we work with casa and we have had uh, multiple families in our church to become safe families. Exactly. And so what safe family, if there's a child that needs um, housing temporarily, they need a safe place mm -hmm. for that child to be. They'll run, they'll talk, contact someone from our church when that. Mm -hmm. So we have that. Mm -hmm. Also, we have a couple's ministries. So what I did with all the different ministries um, is set them up and set them up to have a support group. And so with every mm -hmm. ministry, that ministry becomes a group of people that are living in community. I see. Right? Mm -hmm. Together, studying yeah. and doing life together. Mm -hmm. But also under the umbrella, one of the things I started thinking about is, okay, if I'm thinking about family life, what I'm thinking mm -hmm. really about is family wellness. Yes. How do yes. address family wellness mm -hmm. and the more i thought about it the spirit of the lord really took me back to my time at the mission and what i, I did at the mission by creating all the different support groups for people I to see. come in and having a place of a safe place for mm -hmm. conversation for healing mm -hmm. and for growing mm -hmm. and i am blessed to be in a church where we do have some very educated folks that's good and it's a huge blessing and mm -hmm. close to multiple universities. 
So I am very close to Loma Linda University, about 25 minutes away, and very close mm -hmm. to Las University. Both of them are part of the Adventist University system. Mm -hmm. Also very close to UC Riverside and Riverside Community College. And so mm -hmm. when I thought about this up, the first thing I did was that I, you know, I prayed about it. The Lord gave me called downloads. And sometimes mm -hmm. people are like, what? But it actually, mm -hmm. they are actually downloads where I, see. I would get an idea and then mm -hmm. I get the idea broken down with I the execution of the idea from the Holy I Spirit. See. I see. Yeah. And I see. when I get mm -hmm. it, I just, I move on it. Part of the, what, what Do It Afraid really came, came to me oh. because mm -hmm. the ideas came to start support groups. Mm -hmm. I also we understood that and I don't want the support groups because part of the challenge was a lot of people would have groups, but it would just I be see. a bunch of people in groups talking, but there was no healing and growing going on, right? And right. that's a right. lot of groups. Right. I decided from what the spirit of the Lord showed me was that the groups have to be managed properly. I and see. that would require someone who's trained. And so what I, I did is that I reached out to the head of behavioral science at Loma Linda University, and I, I told him what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. uh, at which time he says, you're crazy, but I'm in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he said, where did that come from? I told him about the download. He was like, you are definitely like not the norm. I said, I know. Uh, okay. Um, but what I did is that I recruited um, mental mm. health providers, licensed mental mm. health providers, or people that are getting their license. I see. Because I wanted those people to be the, the groups. That's I also reached out to a mm. psychologist, um, Dr. See. Carly Spider, and mm -hmm. I asked her if she would. She's already trained, licensed, trained, teaching, whatever. I asked I her see. if she would oversee all the support groups and oversee all the facilitators. I see. On my team is Dr. Rita Mercer, who you already had on your show, I think, a, while, a little while ago. She's That's also right. a psychologist. She's one of my team members. Oh, good. I have her also as part. And so mm -hmm. once I bought, once I gathered all the um, mental health providers together, I had uh, the behavioral science person train all of them on how to run a That's good. How to run a support group. That's and so excellent. once learning how to run support groups, how to manage the group, how to manage conversations. So that all happened um, at the end of 2019. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do the training. I was going to wait to do the training because we were going to start in person. I see. But somewhere around January 20, I got this thing in my head that was like, train mm -hmm. your people get everything up and going now i see it made no sense but mm -hmm. it was another download i called on him he trained everybody we got everybody up and ready da, 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 mm -hmm. da. that was done at the beginning of february i see and so when the lockdown happened mm -hmm. i was already i see my team was ready the only thing mm -hmm. we needed to do was create the actual virtual platform, but I we see. already had everything in place to go live. I see. So we went live two weeks 
went uh, after the pandemic. Oh May, my. We went live March uh, in March twenty, April twenty twenty. Yes, that was about and two weeks we, after. So we mm-hmm. have a, a grief and loss support group. Mm-hmm. We have a single parent support group. We have a support mm-hmm. group of uh, recovery from addiction, recovery from trauma. Uh, uh-huh. We I, I established the Saturday afternoon program that we are doing every Saturday at four o'clock. So that gave place, that gave people a schedule, a mm-hmm. place to be, and not because now we're virtual. I reached out. Uh, our our program is always a so it's always a a, a mental provider. There's always right. a clergy and then mm-hmm. of our professional on the platform. And we I would see. have conversation. That's the women's ministry department because we used to have yeah. an event called Let's Talk. We yes. would have let's talk, um, we would have the chat or Let's Talk in person, but we had that in before. Mm-hmm. So I realized, wait a minute, people are not going to be able to go to church, the place to come um, to have fellowship, to have community. So right. we expanded it every Saturday afternoon. And uh, sometimes we'd be on that call until like at the beginning, people would stay on until nine, 10. I'm like, bye, gotta go guys. You know, know? okay. All over the world. We're talking Africa, we're talking England, the islands. You would join all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, We had, we had prayer meeting on Wednesday and Saturday. Mm So we just, it just took, it took me uh-huh. from that I was receiving a download. Yes. I didn't know much about virtual anything. I knew yes. that this mm-hmm. information is given to me and I had to do something with it. And I Amen. knew I had to do something for the body. And I was not. And That's so many, many people I reached out to was like, what are you talking about? I said, then it's not for you. And I would just go to mm-hmm. the next person. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't even, I didn't even take the time to try to explain what I was doing. Right. I just said the Lord gave me this thing and I'm pushing through. Amen. Amen. That's excellent. And that that came from the seed that was planted way back when you were that little girl in Cap Haitian Haiti. And that seed was watered and the Lord had given an increase and he's continuing to give the increase. And um, I know that you said here that your passion now is to actually create a nonprofit organization to support aged out youth from the foster care system. Now, before we close our podcast discussion, I do want you to tell us just a tad bit about that passion of yours and what you have done thus far to bring that into fruition. Sure. So when I was at Fuller, uh, I was doing a project and I stumbled some into some stats and some facts that blew my mind and it was about you young people um that were in the foster care system mm-hmm. i found out how some of them of course did not get adopted did not get to live in a home homes and then they were you know becoming adults at 16 and 17 i thought about myself at 16 and 17 i was mature but there was no way i could have my life there was just no way Yes. Um, even if I had the money, there was nothing. And I was very mature. And I thought, how yes. are they supposed to 
So from that, um, when I started working at the mess, seeing where the teens were ending up. I see. The the boys mm -hmm. and the girls basically when they age out end up being a lot of traffic because the most job you can get 17 or 18 is at a fast food restaurant. Mm -hmm. You don't have a lot of training, mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of education, you don't have anywhere to live. If you don't have anywhere right. to live, you don't have any money, you have takes to survive. And some of exactly will get will be trafficked, be used as mules or to sell drugs so there right. was that is not that cannot be something that god is pleased with um and yes. i just it's it, it just hurt me to the core that children of god are stuck because nobody because the people who gave birth to them either didn't love them or were too selfish or just didn't or just weren't able right to take care of them right and here right. are these kids who didn't ask to be born exactly. um now are stuck here and um mm -hmm. and nobody's taking care of them right right, so, right. yes there's money and foster care but money they need safe places to be and exactly. so from there i from what from the work i did at the mission and what i'm seeing i really decided that this is something i'd like to do mm -hmm. and so i've done a lot of things as far as uh, I, I took a lot of courses about forming a nonprofit. So I've done a lot of basic uh, background things, but now having started my demon program, I put it on pause because I when I am more established in the program, then that may become the project exactly. that I cough on. Exactly. Yes. I may not be able to do the exact thing, but I can spin off uh -huh. on it. Exactly. Um, because of course, of the, yeah. Here's excellent. That is excellent. <laughs> that is excellent. God is going to work it all together for his good, just like he has thus far. Um, yes. yes. What else would you like to share with us before we close for this evening, doctor? I'm sorry. I'm calling you doctor already. That's it. Will be. Right. Listen, yes. I think what okay. I to share is I want people to, I want people to be free. Okay. And what I mean by being free, I am not speaking of doing whatever you feel like when you feel like it, no matter who cares. No, I mm -hmm. want people to live the freedom, the free and the freedom that God has given them. Like when God right. created us, he did not make us love him. He didn't right. force us to have a relationship with him. He left us with the freedom to choose him. Yes, right? he did. Mm-hmm. And I think if like the creator of the universe is secure enough in his godness to allow mm -hmm. us to choose him, whether we want to or not, yes. I think that should say a lot to us about how much he loves and respects us That's because right. it That's... is love, right? It, it has to be, a, you have to love someone enough to say, you know what? I'm here for you. Right. No matter what you're going through, I'm here for you. I will see right. you through. I will walk with you. I will hold your hand. Right. You are never alone. Listen, I had women who would tell me sometime in the dark, darkest, they're doing the drugs, high as a kite, but they can hear God whispering in their ears that he loved them. Amen. Look at that. Mm -hmm. And they would tell me, and they would say, like, they thought they 
it was the drug. They thought they were crazy. Felt this yeah. warmth. They felt wow. this thing. They said they would know. feel that there was another being in the place. This one young woman told me that she had ODed so many times and she saw her angel keeping her alive. Right? Wow, look at God. And I yes. Believe that. Mm-hmm. I, I believe, believe that. that God is yes. with us and God wants us to do well. God wants yes. us to live in freedom ourselves jesus says i came mm-hmm. that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly abundant right. life means living healthy healthy mind right. healthy heart mm-hmm. healthy spirit mm-hmm. abundant life mm-hmm. means that you don't have to be worried that you're gonna get shot trying to get home right abundant right, life means right. go to school and get a degree and get that job exactly. that you want you, that you don't need to right. live in fear Mm-hmm. Of, uh, is somebody gonna like me listen jesus loves you that's all you need you don't need anybody yeah, else I, to love you everyone that, else who loves you is bonus okay amen that's excellent jesus you, loves you yes and that's it he died for you um mm-hmm. he is looking he literally is praying for you every single day that's right that you make it Mm-hmm. And so believe me, the days I don't, I don't pray, but I am confident knowing that Jesus prays mm-hmm. for me every day. So when I'm Amen. making, I know it's the prayers of Jesus. What well, am my Amen. mother? My mother prays for me, right? Praise so that's God. what I want to do. I want to leave just a reminder that God is real. We don't have to buy it. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. We can't beg it. We can't plead it. It is there. All we have to do is say, Jesus, yes. I accept forgiveness. Grace Amen. is real. Well, the, the things that I do, the work that I do, I do it because I love. I do it because I've been so, I want to be a blessing. Amen. I'm not doing it because I want to go. Heaven is already assured to me. All I have to do Amen. is keep my relationship with Jesus. Then I will make yes. it. But Amen. I want to take as many people to heaven with me as I can. That's a just excellent, Pastor. Just excellent, Pastor. Pastor Neesley Garrier, yes, has been our special guest. She is a family life director at Mount Robidoux Seventh-day Adventist Church in California. And I want you to know that I truly have been blessed by this conversation tonight. I thank you for sharing so transparently and sharing from the depths of your spirit and just being real, a real person humble as you want to be. I just thank God all those degrees you got, so many degrees, more than the thermometer itself, and yet still you are so humble and so real and so touchable. When I grow up, I want to be just like you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for this time together. This was this was rich. Thank you. You are so welcome. And I am most certain that those that are the sound of our voice tonight and those that will listen to this podcast globally, not only in the United States, but all over the world, will be blessed by what was shared tonight. You have dropped some nuggets, nuggets that people definitely needed. And God knew. He knew just what they needed. And we're going to stand on the word that says one man, one man planted, another man 
is going to water that seed and God is going to give the increase for what we share tonight on this podcast episode. Thank you so much. And the title, once again, Do It Afraid, season two, episode 23. And you came up with that title and it was fitting for what we have discussed tonight. Thank you once again. Could you pray us out and then we'll close? Sure, sure. Let us pray. Eternal God and Father, we are grateful that we have you as our Father, as our Creator, as our God, and that at any time we can call on you and you will show up. God, I just want to thank you. I, God, I just want to ask that anyone at the voice that is watching or listening this will we'll just seek you, we'll want to come to know you, and that you will reveal yourself to them, and that they will no longer live in fear, but that they will have the ball to do it afraid, that they will step out and, and do that schooling, and they will step out and start that business. They will step out and, and call a, a mental health provider to do a wellness check. They will go to the doctor and get yes. that test done, the blood test done, they'll start losing weight. They'll start eating yeah. better, oh God. They'll start yeah. just uh, taking care of themselves. They'll stop putting themselves in situations that are not yeah. uplifting, that are not good, yes. but that they will have, have that abundant life that Jesus have. And so God, I yes. bless yes. your name. I praise your name. I thank you for thank Dr. Jesus. Pamela, for the work that you, she Jesus. is doing. Her and, and her team they are doing in this vineyard. God, I know Thank that you have them there doing this work. And Thank I know you, that Lord. the people that are listening and that are following are receiving. God, Lord, touch us. Speak Thank to you, us. We love you. We really don't want to do this, God. And at the end of yes, it all, Lord. we will give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. Because you are good, good. Yes. All your children. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Ask and pray all the things of Jesus. Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again, Pastor Nisley Gary A, for the rich yes. discussion. May God bless you. Have a blessed evening. Bye bye. Thank now. you. And you also. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Yes, Pastor Neasley Gary A., our very special guest this evening on the Lotus Flower podcast. Episode title, Do It Afraid, Season 2, Episode 23. We are grateful for such a rich and in-depth conversation. I want you to go back, listen to this episode in its entirety, even if you've got to take it in small bites. Listen and ask the Lord, what is it that he is specifically speaking to you through the words of what has been discussed this evening. And I also want you to share. I want you to share this episode with your family, friends, and loved ones, and those that are in your social media network. This is an episode that must 
be shared because there are people under the sound of my voice that need to know that they do not have to live in bondage. This woman of God spoke to us clearly about how to walk in freedom and to know who you are in Christ Jesus, not in bondage, never to be free, never to be in bondage again. The word of God tells us that whom the son has set free is free indeed. And we thank and praise God for once again, our special guest tonight, none other than Pastor Neasley Garrier. The Lotus Flower Podcast, once again, our aim is to educate, empower, and equip our listening audience with spiritually relevant, culturally uplifting, educational topics. And tonight, I know that we've done just that. And for that, I am most grateful. Once again, I want you to be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Lotus Flower Podcast. Each time that you are able to go in and look at some of the episodes that have aired last year, as well as this year. And when you look at those episodes, once again, I want you to learn and stretch yourself from what has been shared by our guests. Allow the things that they're talking about to stretch you outside of your comfort zone and allow God to deal with you and allow him to cause you to grow even further than you ever thought was possible. Once again, our logo says that it is the flower, that lotus flower that blooms in adversity that is the greatest of them all. So if you find yourself in some type of adverse situation or if you have not yet, just have a few more birthdays and you'll find that you'll come against an adverse situation. And just know that if you find yourself there, however, my Bible tells us that we can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens us and that greater is he that's within us than he that is in the world. Believe that and believe just like that lotus flower that you can bloom and blossom in any adverse situation that you may find yourself in. Once again, we are most grateful and blessed to have shared this virtual space with the lovely anointed, and I'd like to say appointed woman of God, Pastor Neasley Guerrier, our special guest this evening, on the Lotus Flower Podcast, Season 2, Episode 23, where the title was, once again, Do It Afraid. Be sure to join us again for the Lotus Flower Podcast, airing weekly on YouTube, as well as on our virtual podcast spaces. 
and our audio podcast spaces as well. I am Reverend Dr. Pamela Robinson, along with my co-host, Reverend Curtis L. Robinson Sr., wishing you a blessed and prosperous day. Bye-bye for now.